You're listening to Brain Buster Radio. Welcome to Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. And here's your host, Conrad Cushman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Brain Buster Radio. This is an eventful Saturday. I have with me Robert Anderson. Rob, what is going on? Uh, not much, man. You know, here to talk some wrestling. Rob, you're making your Brain Buster Radio debut. This is big things for you, man. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Brain Buster Radio. Everybody on there, shout out to Queen. <laughs> Everybody loves the Queen. But we are here today to talk about a monumental show. WCW's Bash at the Beach, 1996. What a show this was. Um, when you first hear this show, what, what are your memories of it? Well, I just remember being at my Uncle John's house and we watched this live. Uh, I was never a big fan of Hogan, so I was actually kind of happy when he did what he did. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough time. And we'll get into parts of this when we go through this. Uh, we'll probably have some interesting discussions about a lot of this. Uh, where WCW was at the time, what was going on. And this kind of relates to what we're probably going to be seeing soon, hopefully on the SmackDown brand with Eric Bischoff being in charge. But um, this show took place in Daytona Beach, Florida. One of my favorite places. Absolutely love Daytona Beach. Um, On the commentary team, we had Bobby the Brain Heenan, Tony Schiavone, and the American Dream, if you will. Dust their road. That's for Luga. That's for Stinger. That's not for you, baby. <laughs> so this show opens up with a video package highlighting the Outsiders' hostile takeover. That was like the word of the pay-per-view, hostile takeover. Um, and they started referring to this mystery third man and the whereabouts of Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff, nobody knew where he was. Nobody knew what was going on. Uh, it seemed like WCW was in a complete mess but i do give it up to the commentary team for focusing in on this program and highlighting it um any memories of the outsiders and them coming in at first uh i just remember that uh what was it sleeveless shirtless jean vest that they were wearing (laughs) that was hall (laughs) you know what i mean what i don't know it was cool to see razor ramon pop back up and not really be razor ramon (laughs) yeah I was never really like, um, I wasn't into Diesel or Kevin Nash too much, but Razor Ramon has always been one of my favorites. So when you see Scott Hall pop up. Listen, I had fears. I have flashbacks, folks, of the Diamond Stud and Vinny Vegas. Like, <laughs> Vinny Vegas was just, when I first saw Diesel debut in the WWF with Shawn Michaels, I instantly was like, oh, dad, that's Vinny Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just bad. But you know what? I will say that these two brought a lot of excitement and eyeballs to the television screen. Uh, I remember watching this with my younger brother, Cameron, and he was absolutely like enjoying the fact that we had the cruiserweights. And then when Hall was over there, he's like, man, WCW starting to step it up. This is pretty cool stuff. Uh, I had to give it up to him for this. Let's get into this card, though, shall we? We start off with a banger, in my opinion. We've got Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio. And yeah, you heard me talk about say, this. Say it right. Rey Mysterio Jr. Hold on now. I said it like that for a reason, because I just did an ECW one-night stand review, and this was the match on it, so I don't want people to think, like, man, how often do these two fight? But they had a big feud. Um, 
first, Mike Tanay gets to come out and do this. This was where Mike Tanay shined, in my opinion, when he would come out and he would introduce us to new moves because back in the day, everything was the Frankensteiner that Rey Mysterio did. And it's actually, go ahead. What, that Huda Canrana? <laughs> yes. Mike Tanay brought in the little things, the aspects about wrestling that you didn't know. He was telling us how Rey Mysterio and Psychosis trained at the same school at the same time. They knew each other, forward and backward. Um, very impressed by Mike Tanay's knowledge for this when he joined the broadcast team. Now, these two, in my opinion, I think they have really good chemistry. I think it's underrated. Personally, I prefer like a Rey Mysterio Hooventude or maybe Kidman involved in there. But Psychosis is one of the most slept on cruiserweights in WCW, in my opinion. True. He doesn't get enough love. Um, any thoughts on Rey Mysterio Jr. or Psychosis from back in these days? Uh, this is what the, when they were still like getting into their own. Uh, you know, they did their stints down in Mexico and ECW. It was good to see them on a national brand, being able to showcase what they were capable of. Rey Mysterio, we already know he's the greatest luchador of all time. <laughs> Rey Mysterio's a great wrestler, period. Uh, we learned a lot about what was going on with Rey Mysterio at this time. There was good mat wrestling in this match. Rey Mysterio and Psychosis showed that, but they also did some high-flying luchador stuff, crashing into the barricades, hurting each other's necks. They really came in and did some damage in this one. Uh, like I said, a lot of fun. I say them cruiserweights back in the day, man, they went all, all out for as little time as they were given, as little focus as they were given. They put it on the line every week. Yeah, they definitely deserve way more focus than they got. Um, the finish to this match, though, Rey Mysterio is set up for a crucifix bomb off the middle rope, and Psychosis goes to throw him up, and Rey Mysterio ends up hitting him with, they said a Frankensteiner in this, and he ends up getting the pinfall after that for the one, two, three. I give this a grade of a B plus. I thought this was an excellent match. That's how you start off a show, too. You know, they used to start off every Nitro with the cruiserweight segment. This, this is how you fire that shot. Any companies today take notes because these cruiserweights were the perfect way to get stuff started. I mean, I feel like maybe everybody kind of wrestles the style today, but I absolutely love the flow of how they started matches like that. It always worked, too. You know, you don't want to start to show off with this long talking segment, you know, action. This is a wrestling show. And it didn't matter if it was even like a Blitzkrieg or a Hooventude. You could have put anybody in that to start it off, and they would get it popping. Um, after this, we go into an interview segment with the United States champion, Conan. My boy. This well, is, hold on now. This, I isn't, know. this isn't Conan that was bout it, bout it. <laughs> or, oh, lale, ale, la rasa. It's fresh off of Max Moon. <laughs> Dude, this was, what <laughs> yeah. are you wearing, Conan? Um, he was back there. He was talking about his United States Championship match that he was having against Ric Flair. Um, it was just a minor, like, minor promo. Nothing huge came out of it. But it was still cool to see Conan in a different state than what we finally got. And we'll talk about it because I have in my notes, uh, this was before he was cool. Um, <laughs> because I think Conan eventually gets to show his coolness. And we, we'll get into it after the fact. But next match we have up is Big Bubba versus, or excuse me, Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart versus John Tenta. And this is a Carson City silver dollar match. So we get Big Boss Man versus Earthquake? The Guardian Angel versus Golga. How many name changes did these guys go through? I don't know. It was bad. So in this match, we have a poll. Vince Russo did not write this, bro. 
So mm. don't even try to accuse him. There's a pole in the ring, and it's a sock full of silver dollars. This match was just slow, plotty. It just wasn't working, really. Um, Big Bubba used, like, some tape, a leather belt at one point. Jimmy Hart actually ends up being the guy who has to climb the pole because these were two big boys, and I did not see them getting on the top rope to grab this. Uh, But Jimmy Hart eventually gets caught by his former, I guess, protege, John Tenta. Uh, He was the shark. What what was the promo? I'm not a shark. (laughs) I'm a man. (laughs) If you guys can ever find that, it's a bad promo on Nitro, I believe. Um, Jimmy Hart grabs it. He's in shock. Uh, I love that Tenta steals the coins from him and like pushes him away. And Jimmy Hart hangs onto the pole. Jimmy Hart deserves a lot more credit than he gets to for being such a great heel manager. Um, eventually Tenta grabs those coins and makes Big Bubba eat his lunch. And obviously in this kind of match, that is a one, two, three. Big Bubba Rogers eats the pinfall. John Tenta gets the win with his hair kind of looking gnarly a little bit. I don't know what they were trying to do here with that, but they were trying something different, so I couldn't be mad. Um, Out of respect for what they did in the ring, I'm going to politely give this a C-. It was close, though. It was boring. Uh, That's D-plus for me, man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say C-. It was was bordering, like... Mm, because what I did like afterwards was so he knocked him out with the coins and Tenta puts the coins over uh, Big Bubba's eyes and I like I don't know I just like the little things that they did in this they tried to bring the psychology it just too many gimmicks in this and you'll hear more in a minute next we go with Mean Gene he's backstage talking to oh yeah the macho man Randy Savage Sting and Lex Luger uh, they go through the interview. It's a classic. Everybody's yelling. Savage is turned around, looking all over the place, like, "Yeah, tell him Stinger, yeah." And uh, Sting screaming like it's the '80s. Luger has no idea what he's saying, but you love Luger because of the body type and everything else. It's just a classic promo with three baby faces. Old school fans could grow to appreciate it. Next. Probably Robert's favorite match of the night. We've got <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a taped fist match. Gimmick matches out the wazoo here. I don't know who booked this. It was either Dusty or Sullivan. Had to be. You had to do what you had to do to get them viewers, man. Have you heard of a taped fist match before this? Kind of piques your curiosity, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you're about to lose it potentially when <laughs> I read you this. So in this match, DDP is the heel. And if I hear, so DDP, Eric Bischoff brought something to my attention that ruins Diamond Dallas Page, like, going forward for me before he was, like, a main eventer and cool, like, within the next year. Diamond Dallas Page is a walking gimmick of every bad gimmick you could imagine. Cigar, gold chains, battle bowl rings. Damn it, DDP, like, cut all the shit. You don't (laughs) need that. And Bischoff just saying it, like, makes me see it now more. Like, it sticks out like a sore thumb. But at the same time, I have to be honest, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is the nicest dude in the world, but Hacksaw Jim Duggan matches are just not, I don't know, man. They're just not for me. I never liked the matches that he had. His, um, is it his style? His gimmick precedes him. I don't I don't know if I'm saying that right, but. Break it he, down. He, he was never the best worker. Yeah, but all due respect. But Duggan, here's the thing. I feel like Duggan, the bushwhackers and guys like that, they're just not for me. But the other people like them though. 
Like someone's grandma loves the Bushwhackers. I was saying you hear stories of them back in the day too. When they, what were they, the Kiwi Crushers? Yeah, or Doug and back in the day they were all vicious heels. Oh no, they were the sheep herders. The sheep herders. Yeah, but yeah, but like who was it? Uh, Bushwhackers, Jim Duggan. Before they got big, they were big vicious heels. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, and big Vince McMahon came in and said, "People are gonna love you," and it worked. Yeah, but, they did. Yeah. But so DDP's battle bow rings on the line in this. Um, Duggan's gimmick at the time was that he taped up his fist in WCW. If you remember, like, you know, when he was U.S. champ mm-hmm. and stuff, he's still carrying around the two by four and everything else. Wow. Before we go any further, you want to explain what the battle bowl is? Oh, battle bowl. A great, great pay-per-view concept uh, of random tag teams. And once you win. So, for example, in this match, it could be Diamond Dallas Page and Hacksaw Jim Duggan teaming up and they could face. Let's just use uh, Marcus Bagwell and give me a random name out there from WCW. Um, seven. Se- oh, God. And seven. <laughs> and they would fight in a tag match, and the winners would advance to a battle royal. And after the eliminations in the battle royal, whoever was the last man standing in that match would be crowned the winner of Battle Bowl. Sometimes it would lead to a title shot. Sometimes it would just lead to matches like this that – we're awkward and weird because what are you fighting for this battle bowl ring for? Why is this so sacred? But you needed a reason to have a match, so can't hate him for that. DDP comes out with this ring on the line. Heenan making fun of Duggan, talking about his eyes are too close. Uh, just <laughs> Heenan, Heenan can make fun of Duggan like no other, and I always enjoy it. Um, just don't talk about uh, anyone's mama, Heenan, because we know how that ends for you always. But um, in the end, what happens is they chase each other around the ring. Classic heel stuff. You get some goofy stuff in this match, too, with DDP, like, hanging onto the rope. Duggan pushes his feet down. DDP pops up, gets hit with a fist, and then they keep doing it over and over until DDP falls out of the ring. Uh, Duggan goes to chase him out. While Duggan's getting back in the ring, the finish is DDP kicks the rope into his... uh, (laughs) And after he gets hit with a diamond cutter, one, two, three... And DDP gets the win as he's in the ring, being the cocky heel that he is. He's taunting, talking his crap. Duggan tapes up his fist so fast that he clocks DDP right in the face. Pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> and it was a GG. I give this a C. They they made it. DDP wasn't bad while doing this, and neither was Duggan. It's just kind of there, though. I say they're both entertaining, so they're capable of putting on. If, if you like them, um... You'll, you'll enjoy this. That's basically the way I could put it. You'll, you'll at least find some solidarity in this match. Next, let's talk about Mean Gene um, talking to Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, and a young man named The Giant at this time, who you would eventually chant, please retire to, The Big <laughs> Show. The Giant was young during this time, man. He was big. Um, there was something any- special about him around this time, too, right? What, what would you say? He's the WCW champion? Yeah. Big deal. Giant's the top guy right now. <laughs> Um, what what, do you, what are your memories of the Giant in WCW? I remember him top rope moonsaults and drop kicks and kip ups, kip ups, and he was he was agile. Yeah, the Giant was really good, man. I always really this enjoyed is, him. This is before he became a big nasty bastard. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> um, Jimmy Hart did a great job with this. What about Kevin Sullivan? No one really talks about him enough. I think Kevin I mean, Sullivan I, was good for the business. I respect Booker, man. The only problem is he booked his own divorce. I think that's one thing that hurt his own uh, stuff. Uh, he was probably an equal party in that, but... <laughs> True that, man. True. Um, next, there's another segment. So did they talk about their opponents, and Lee Marshall is with their opponents during the interview segment. Can I just say this? 
I've always wanted to say this, and I don't know what's Lee Marshall doing today. I hated Lee Marshall so bad. I hated his voice. I did not like the feel of it. We know what Lee Marshall was. <laughs> what? The, was he the wild guy? Didn't he do women's uh, wrestling? I don't know. He He's a freaking, what was plantation owner? <laughs> what? Lee Marshall. Really? No, not for real, but oh, God. that was his gimmick. And when he brought in Harlem Heat, what were they called? No, 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 no. You're not that, not, um, you're thinking oh, of I'm Colonel thinking Robert Parker. Yes, I am. Oh, God, Forgive no. me, Lee Marshall. <laughs> Lee, Lee Marshall, I don't even know what he is. I was like, he's the guy from Women of Wrestling. Um, But I just never liked his voice. You know, he, he would always come out and he'd be, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Chris Benoit, Arn Anderson. I'm like, shut up, dude. Yeah. Just shut up. Let them talk, because I didn't want to hear it. Um, Aaron Anderson, he comes out with the glasses on in his trunks. Aaron Anderson just looks like someone's uncle who would take you in the backyard and whip your ass. I yeah. love Aaron Anderson. Aaron Anderson has looked the same age since I was like four <laughs> years old. He came out the womb looking like he was 42. <laughs> he came out with jeans on like horsemen. <laughs> I love Double A though. Double A is the man, um, really good wrestler. Um, and Chris Benoit. Dude, I love like this time with the four horsemen with Pillman and Benoit, that combination, and Malenko uh, when he eventually joins the horsemen with Benoit. You see, before the horseman doesn't just have to have four people. This is true, but the number four matters because that's a cool symbol to throw up. One of the best factions. Um, But Benoit comes out with his usual back then, the silent but violent. And, you know, Benoit was working on the promos with Arn. And Arn doesn't even have to speak loud, scream. He just looked right into the camera and said, this is what's going to happen. Because you know Arn Anderson will whoop that ass. <laughs> and I give Arn Anderson props for bringing up the Outsiders because everybody did a good job in making this bigger. So the main event always comes back into play. Arn Anderson said WCW is going to take out the Outsiders, and then the Horsemen and Ric Flair are going to get back the WCW title because the Giant defeated Ric Flair for that title. Most people don't remember that. That was a sad night, man. Ric Flair got his ass whooped. I remember that match. <laughs> Who was booking at that time? It was trying to... I think it's Sullivan. It's Sullivan and Dusty. Hey, sharing the duties. All right, guys. Let's get into this last match before we take a commercial break. Man, I sound like WCW on TBS. <laughs> 605, Saturday nights. Um, we have a four-man dog collar match. And, guys, I love train wrecks sometimes in pro wrestling. And this <laughs> is one right here. We've got Public Enemy... Versus the Nasty Boys. This sounds bad, but it's so good if you like this stuff. Um, so we have Johnny Grunge chained with Brian Knobs, and Rocco Rock is going to be chained uh, dog collar style with Jerry Sag. So it's basically the blondes are chained and the brunettes are chained. <laughs> <laughs> I hope no sick freaks are out there. So anyway, uh, we get into this, and I promise you guys this. This is not a technical match. This is not a masterpiece. You're not going to go in here and say, man. I really wish they get in the ring with Dean Malenko after this. No. <laughs> this is just Dusty Rhodes' favorite word in this. Plunder. The public enemy brought the plunder to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of public enemy, I don't know if they fixed it yet, but if you go into WWE.com, you go to their alumni section, you go to public enemy, it's two pictures of Rock Rock. They just said, fuck Johnny Grunge. <laughs> yeah, you got to fix that, man. <laughs> and you know what? Shout out to Paul Heyman, too. Paul Heyman's going to get some credit right now. Paul Heyman made these two something. I don't even know who these two were. He put jerseys on them and said, go out there and wave your hands in the air to rap music. He basically made two dudes who liked hip-hop music, and they became the most over thing in ECW. And they were terrible workers, too. (laughs) Or terrible wrestlers, I should say. You know what, though? They got a reaction. 
Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't blame him for that. I always had a little soft spot for Public Enemy. Oh, I love Public Enemy. They until, were just awful. <laughs> until the Acolytes got to him. <laughs> yeah. But um, we get into this. Dude, what can I say about this match? Nobs uses an inflatable shark at one point as a weapon. <laughs> we see things from chairs, trash cans, trash can lids, and even a surfboard. Can we have cool sets like this again, WWE? Please? Like, that's dope that someone's getting their ass beat with a surfboard. I, I got nothing. Don't worry, Wilford. I'll make sure the explicit's on this, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the unbelievable beatdown that we saw with some of the stuff was fun. Um, people are getting slammed on the boardwalk, which was the entranceway to the ring. I thought that was so cool. At one point, Rocco Rock climbs up on a lifeguard chair and jumps off of it. He whiffs, <laughs> but it was fun. He lands in sand. It was good stuff. Now, this just reminds me of a WCW Revenge on N64. Besides Halloween Havoc, Bash of the Beach was my favorite set to play on. Dude, absolutely, man. Yo, we had so much fun with those games. Oh, man. Can someone please make those again or something like it? Good times, man. Uh, make sure the graphics are better, though, and the entrances, too. Yeah, just but, keep it the same. Don't mess with it. Nah, man. Don't, don't mess with a good thing. Make it right, bro. <laughs> keep the engine. So, anyway, um, what I, we were talking about people getting slammed on the boardwalk, lifeguard chair, and we get a table introduced. This table had to be from Japan. There is <laughs> no way that Rocco Rock dove off of it, and they said, was that his back or the table? <laughs> That's how bad he landed a couple times. Yeah, Rock was a big boy, too. <laughs> yeah, they well, they tried to uh, break it, and it would not break a few times. And you could tell during this that they had to modify the finish a little bit. So what winds up happening is Rocco detaches from his dog collar, and they throw Johnny Grunge over the top rope. You know the classic spot where you're choking the guy and he's mm-hmm. over? Well, Brian Knobs holds out his end of the chain, and it's really long. And Sag says, well, since he detached, I'm going to whip him into that chain. Rocco Rocks takes a clothesline from the chain, basically. He's down one, two, three. I promise you this isn't beauty. It's a C match, I, but I enjoyed it personally. It's entertaining. It's entertaining as hell. After the match, Public Enemy just get up and start beating ass with plunder again. <laughs> and this just doesn't stop. And the Nasty Boys retreat. They got the win. Public Enemy looks strong. This feud is probably not over because Bobby the Brain Heenan said so. He's like, they're going to beat each other until they get all the way to the back. It was good stuff. But now, guys, this is the opportunity that I want to extend to my good friends at Everything College Basketball in the Gorilla Position Store. So why don't you guys hang out, listen to that promo, and then we'll be right back with the rest of this recording for WCW Bash at the Beach 1996. Everything Pro Wrestling, it's your boys from the Everything College Basketball Podcast and Facebook group. I'm Josh Burton, letting you all know that if you like the college game, that there's only one spot to come find all you need to know. Yep, Josh, Peyton, and myself, Tyler. We are the three voices of ECB podcast and Facebook group. Peyton, tell them where they can uh, find us and listen to us at. Well, Tyler, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all other podcasters and sites. Also, go join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups like everything college basketball. So if you want everything you need to know about the collegiate game or have a passion for it, there's only one spot that you need to check out on a weekly basis or a daily basis with the Facebook group. That's everything college basketball. Now let's get back to Conrad informing you on everything pro wrestling and the workings around it. Brother. Hey, everyone. David Conrad here owner of the Gorilla Position Wrestle Store. 
We're an online store headquartered in San Antonio, Texas, bringing you the best in original wrestling shirts, accessories, collectibles, and more. We're glad to be partnering with Brain Buster Radio, and to thank them, and to thank you, we're offering 10% off all purchases with the coupon code BRAINBUSTA. That's B-R-A-I-N-B-U-S-T-A. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under at GP Wrestle Store, or check out our website, www.gpwrestlestore.com. Remember, when you want the best wrestling experience, you gotta hang out in gorilla position. Disco fever! Disco fever! Disco fever! Yeah, 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 yeah! All right, Disco Inferno's out next for the Cruiserweight Championship. I had to sing that because you know everybody did back in the day. Don't front like you. That was the best thing about Disco. <laughs> you know what? Disco did all right in this one. I'm not going to hate. Yo, listen. Disco Inferno pisses me off sometimes, but I have to listen to him. He's like the future cornet of our generation Stop. about like, getting angry. <laughs> Disco Inferno is hilarious. You don't think so? Oh, he's a funny guy. <laughs> I hated Disco. <laughs> what, back in these days? Yes. I still I, hate Disco. <laughs> oh, come on. I don't know. I, I, Disco's all right with me sometimes. So we got a Cruiserweight title match. Disco Inferno is challenging the man of a thousand holds, Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko would never have a smile on his face. This son of a bitch, you could buy him a birthday present, and Dean Malenko <laughs> is not smiling. Uh, he's a no-nonsense kind of wrestler anyway. Dean Malenko was the man of a thousand holds. Slap a submission on you. Try to make you tap out. And Disco Inferno is a disco dancing fool. His tights were orange and it said, shake your booty on him. This dude is a walking, talking gimmick. He was probably one of the last successful gimmicks that WCW thought of. Clash of styles, but uh, this one, it worked. <laughs> listen, I'm telling you, Dean Malenko brought the best out of Disco in this match to it's me. It's Dean Malenko, what do you expect? <laughs> but Disco had fired. It takes two to tango, man. It does. All right, so Disco Inferno gets in here eventually. Dean Malenko is... <laughs> He's folding this man up like a pretzel in the beginning. But eventually, Disco starts showing some fire. Throws some punches out. He even hits Dean Malenko with a stun gun at one point in this match. Disco Inferno could not help but try to fix his hair at every twisted turn, trying to look like John Travolta. And Dean Malenko's not having it. He's kicking out. And Dean Malenko eventually gets back on the offense, locking him up in submission holds, putting down some pretty brutal beatings on him. But I love the fact that during this match, Bobby the Brain Heenan yelled at Disco Inferno because he was a manager at one point. It's the little things, wrestling companies. And he yelled that Disco Inferno needs to stay on top of him. And he just said, this guy needs a manager. He's dancing too much. He's not thinking. He needs someone to tell him to get on top of Malenko. He said he could have had this one a couple times potentially if he would have made the cover sooner. And I like the little things like that. So during this match, eventually... We get to the point to where Disco Inferno rolls up Dean Malenko from a Texas Cloverleaf. He doesn't get the job done. Malenko just slips out. And eventually, he hits him with his classic uh, butterfly bomb into the Texas Cloverleaf. And shout out to my boys Headlock Talk and Wilford from Texas. You ain't messing with that Texas strong, baby. Texas <laughs> Cloverleaf. There's nowhere to go but Disco Inferno taps out. Disco Inferno fans cry. <laughs> I celebrate it. <laughs> I give it a grade of a C plus for that match. And rightfully so. I, I think it was fair for it. Uh, Dean Malenko definitely did his thing in that match. Um, I thought it was watchable. I really, you know what? They talked a lot about Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko from the month prior. 
and I remember that being a really good match at the Great American Bash. I still remember that backbreaker off the top row, man. Jeez, Louise. Uh, one day, maybe I'll get to review that. Maybe next year, around this time for Great American Bash. Um, let's get into the next match. Bruh. Okay, first I just want to say, who? Joe Gomez. <laughs> we went to school with a Joe Gomez, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good guy though. I like Joe Gomez, but this Joe Gomez, whoo, um, I, I had to look him up because I think Conrad Thompson and Eric Bischoff were talking about him. Did not remember who this guy was until I just saw him come out here again. I'm like, oh, he was somebody who they like would give a few wins to and he would win or lose. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they did. They had a couple guys like that in WCW, like they would get wins and then lose. Um, he ends up, Joe Gomez ends up facing Steve Mongo McMichael with Queen Deborah. We've already sworn this. Holy shit. What was this not good? Uh, this is. All right. I gave it a grade of a C minus. We're going to start with that first because that's probably the best thing. Why? Because they said that this was Steve Mongo McMichael's third match. I'm going to let it slide. Did he ever get any better, though? Dude, I gave a match with him and Goldberg a D when I reviewed Starcade. I think it was a D plus, And that was me being kind. <laughs> it might have been a D. It's just yo, Mongo's just not it, man. He was the shits. Uh, I get that Mongo was a big name in sports. He won the Super Bowl with the Bears. Blah blah blah. This is not a pay per view quality match. Did you like him on commentary? No. Let's, there was nothing good about Mongo. That dog, except for Deborah. Well, and I love the dog. Uh, so he had a dog. I guess that was Pepe. Remember the little Chihuahua he would bring out to the oh. announcer table. He had a different dog with him this time, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Said what happened? They said what happened to that dog? And Bobby Heenan said he's probably so. I think Tony Schiavone answered first. Excuse me. He said he's probably at home sitting on the shelf. And then Bobby Heenan, with a great wit, said, "Animal lovers, please don't kill me for laughing at this." <laughs> I was just thinking about the time though. He said he's not on the shelf. He's probably a doorstop. And I was just <laughs> like, "Oh my god, Bobby Heenan, just too much for me, bro." Um, is that sad that that's the memory of this match? I have Mongo wins with the tombstone. Joe Gomez. Back into obscurity with you. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Well, maybe we'll see him again on another pay per view review. If not, Joe Gomez, it was nice having you on one of my reviews. <laughs> um, next we get to the WCW United States Championship match. We've got Conan before he was cool <laughs> versus Ric Flair, and in Ric Flair's corner, Miss Elizabeth and Woman. And can I say in the pre interview, Woman was all over Mean Gene. Mean Gene, you should have did right that night. I'm just saying, man, you know, contributing factors into that divorce. <laughs> mean Gene Okerlund? Yeah. Knock it off. So, anyway, Miss Elizabeth's out there, and she's with Flair. It's weird to see Miss Elizabeth as a heel. Hey, he had her first. Oh, don't start yeah. this WrestleMania 8 <laughs> shit. So, Conan versus Ric Flair. Uh, this match, the chemistry felt very weird in it. Not that Conan's a bad performer. Here's the thing with Conan. Conan either has really good matches or really, like, uh matches. Not that they're bad, but they're just like, okay, yeah. I expect it better from you. And this one falls, like, in the middle for me on this one. Um, woman gets involved in this match a lot. And, you know, Woman was a great heel female manager. Absolutely underappreciated for the stuff she did. She gets into the ring and kicks Conan below the belt at one point. 
Um, but Conan shows his athleticism. He's doing springboard drop kicks, leg drops. Conan was very athletic at one point. And I'm not saying that he wasn't later on, but Conan toned his style down and focused more on his character of he being did. cool. He started wrestling a more a more American style yeah. compared to what he normally did. Right. And this to me felt like triple A, like he was wrestling that kind of style. And I believe he was the champion at the time in Mexico as well. Um Conan eventually locked in the figure four leg lock on Ric Flair. Miss Elizabeth and Woman, the numbers game were too much in this match, though, eventually. They wrestled back and forth, but when Miss Elizabeth distracts the ref, Woman takes off her shoe. Like, all nice ladies wear those big, nice stiletto heels, and Ric Flair uh, takes advantage after she clocks Conan in the head. Flair gets the pin. One, two, three. Ric Flair is the United States champion. Hey, dirtiest player in the game. Nature boy woo anyway um c plus for the match i thought it was okay uh any lasting impressions that you want to leave rob on rick flair conan miss elizabeth woman conan was always one of my favorites in wcw along with ddp and moving to those are my guys and jericho <laughs> um flair's flair what can you say about him miss elizabeth first lady of wrestling and woman Miss Elizabeth was still smoking, by the way, when oh, I was yeah. watching this. And woman, too. It's not woman with, like, the cane in ECW. but oh, uh, it, franchise. <laughs> yeah, but, well, with Sandman. With Sandman smoking that cigarette, looking disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Sandman's just a weird dude, too, man. But let's keep it back to WCW. We get into the match that was going to depend on if Ric Flair or another member of the Four Horsemen would get a championship match against the Giant. Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson versus the WCW champion, the Giant, and Kevin Sullivan with Jimmy Hart. Book a man. So the Giant and Kevin Sullivan jump Benoit and Arn Anderson before the match even starts. And I absolutely love this. You know why? Because it showed that there was a blood feud going on with the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen. If you don't know who the Dungeon of Doom are, you're better off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that was some good stuff. Even the people in the background here are laughing at that one. That was good. You remember that uh, monster truck fight? Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> remember, help. 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 Brother, help. <laughs> remember when uh, Kamala was the uh, the member of the Dungeon what of Doom? Was, was he Kamala in WCW? He was Kamala. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Kamala, man. Glad to see that he kept his house, man. Kamala's one of my favorites, man. We're rooting for you, James. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Heenan comes out and... He just reminds us about this. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. In the jumping, I have to bring this point up, too. Mongo comes out with his briefcase. This was always his signature thing. I don't know what the hell was supposed to be in that briefcase. Was it like Money? a Super Bowl ring or something? Uh, but I thought he wore it. I don't know. He, it was something. He did a bunch of different crap with it. Mongo was garbage. Too, too many <laughs> gimmicks. But Mongo comes out with that briefcase and starts waffling people with it. That was the only good thing about Mongo. Like, he would come out and you just be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> And he just starts beating on the Giant. The Giant gets pissed and chased him to the back. So Kevin Sullivan's in the ring getting his ass whooped by Chris Benoit because they have a blood feud at this time over woman. And, yes, yeah, she's that, that, that was real, too. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was – if you guys don't know, we might as well tell the little mini story here. Go ahead. You take it over, Rob. Um, so who was it? Uh, Na- what's her real name? Nancy Sullivan Yeah, at the time. Was married to Kevin Sullivan. This is all – this ain't a gimmick. This is real. Chris Benoit got well, up in well, that. Well, he, he they did a angle together, basically, where Chris Benoit was supposed to like take his wife from him, 
And essentially, Kevin Sullivan booked his own divorce because she left him and went with Chris Benoit. I mean... <laughs> damn. <laughs> like, we, we're not going to talk about the later years, but... Yeah, but damn, that's crazy that that happened. So, afterwards, the Giant eventually uh, comes back after Jimmy Hart goes back there to get him. He didn't want to tolerate any of that stuff. So he's like, your partner needs you. Get back out here. Giant comes out, and Heenan reminds us of that great fight that these guys had where it was the false count anywhere they're in the women's bathroom they were beefing that was a really good false count anywhere match um one of the ones that stick out in my like favorite wcw matches personally um but this fight ends up going crazy and that's basically the main focus of this is benoit and sullivan they are the illegal men in the match at one point Arn anderson and the giant are supposed to be in and they start brawling up the ramp towards the crowd. At one point, Benoit dives off. It is so cringe when I see Benoit like dive off of stages and headbutt people and stuff. He just rammed his head right into Kevin Sullivan's face like it was nothing and did not care, got up and kept fighting. Especially knowing what happened later, it's just kind of – you hate to watch it now. Yeah, protect yourself, man. And eventually in the ring, Arn Anderson eats a choke slam from the Giant. One, two, three. They actually had the Giant feel like he was a big deal at this time. It was good to see the Giant just dominate, basically. When he got in, he was throwing people on top of people. He didn't give a shit. The Giant hits the choke slam, one, two, three. But Benoit and Sullivan don't care. They're fighting. Eventually, they make their way back to the ring. The Giant left Kevin Sullivan because he's the champ. What, what does he care? Jimmy Hart's gone. And in the ring, Benoit and Sullivan are fighting. Benoit is putting the boots to this man, like whooping the shit out of him. And woman comes out, and she's like, Chris, stop. Chris, stop. And eventually, uh, Benoit has to stop. Aaron Anderson's laid out in the ring and tries to, like, grab Kevin Sullivan maybe to pull him away. And Kevin Sullivan just, like, kicks Aaron Anderson <laughs> and boots him out. And then the giant eventually comes back to get him while Benoit's on the outside kind of talking with woman and carries him out. Crazy. I give this a B-. minus. I thought it was a lot of fun this match. Oh, yeah. This was definitely fun. Can't be mad at it. Can't be mad. Then we get to this hostile takeover highlights again. It's that classic bad 90s like pay-per-view music. Um, yeah, they just go through the whole thing that you saw at the very beginning of the show. And Michael Buffer comes out for the announcement. It's going to be the Outsiders, Hall and Nash versus Sting, Luger, and Macho Man. They have not announced who their partner is yet. That was the whole storyline for this. Who's the third man? Could it be that table? Could it be anything? <laughs> Nobody knew. Where's Bischoff? I'm going to ruin this for you guys now. Nobody ever finds out what happens to Bischoff in this. I believe it's revealed later on down the line, and I'm sure you guys can figure out what actually happened. But the outsiders say that their third man is here. He's in the building. And you're going to have to wait to see. And this match, man, Rob, what do you think, man? This had all the pomp and circumstance of any classic wrestling match that you want. Big stars. You had Hall, Nash, Luger, Sting, Macho Man, the third man. We won't say yet. <laughs> Dude, we start this match off with, so basically the tensions were high. People were standing up for this. And at one point, Scott Hall took out a toothpick and threw it in Luger's face. And he had another one on the side of his head. Luger slapped the bad grades out of him. Like, it was a school <laughs> slap. And uh, Scott Hall and Luger go at it. 
And they kind of do this unique thing. So there's a little mayhem breaking out. Kevin Nash grabs Lex Luger, and they're both like kind of in between the turnbuckle pads and the metal part of the turnbuckle. Stinger splash. Luger hits his head. The fan of me today would have definitely believed that something was up with Luger um, if that had happened or Sting. And Lex Luger is gurneyed out because he hit his head against the uh, ring post, I guess, or the metal part of the turnbuckle. So he's taken out. We don't know what's going to happen. So this leads to a two-on-two match. Basically, it's Macho Man and Sting versus Hall and Nash. And this is just exactly what you expect. They make it a fight. They try to make it personal. These guys go in there. They brawl. They do what they have to do. And at one point during this match, we see the usual Kevin Nash push the hair back, knees into the stomach, the elbows. Hall's hitting all of his moves that he would as if he were Razor Ramon. Uh, really good stuff. Do you have any thoughts or feelings from when this match happened? I just think I've just thought about something. Everybody in this match ended up in the NWO eventually. <laughs> Even Sting, black and red, but damn. Yes. So, dang, that's crazy. I didn't realize that. <laughs> you messed this up, WCW. Hey. But this this was a glorious moment. Nobody was expecting this. The hype was all around it. You have Buffer out there. The match is going on. And we eventually get to the point to where Hall and Nash are in the ring. The ref's not paying attention. Kevin Nash hits the weirdest double-fisted low blow. Do not type that into any Google search. He, he hits a <laughs> double-fisted low blow. Um, Savage goes down for the count because who wouldn't? Because you got hit where the uh, – Right in the fellas. <laughs> I was going to say the family jewels. And Savage is out. Everybody's laid out. And I don't think there's any better way but to play a clip for everybody for what happened. I agree. Hulk Hogan is here! Hulk Hogan's here! Hulk Hogan is in the building! You're damn right he is! Go get him, Hulkster! Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go, what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! Come on and get some of this now. Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrived. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. He is the third man Look in at this. this picture. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I Probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. Let's get everybody out of the dressing room right now and kick his rear end. All right, Rob. So we know that red and yellow son of a bitch, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> turned his back on all those little Hulkamaniacs. You see them with the tears streaming down their faces? Oh, man, dude. Such good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Such good shit. But what do you so? What do you think, man? Like I said, man, I was never the biggest Hogan fan, so I love this. <laughs> did, did it turn you into a Hogan fan? Would you say? No. So you still hated Hogan, even though he was in the NWO. I never liked the NWO. <laughs> I mean, I like the Wolf Pack, but you're not cool, bro. Let's talk to me. <laughs> I love the NWO, man. How could you hate these guys? They were absolutely amazing. Um, okay, I'll say when it was the three man group. Yeah, when Virgil became a member. <laughs> Dusty Rose became a member. 
they they went too far at one point. But during this time when the NWO first started, I will say this: look at everybody's reaction in that arena. People were heartbroken, but people knew that this was real shit, and they were hooked. Dude, people were throwing garbage in the ring at Hulk Hogan. I don't think you guys know how serious this was. People were throwing stuff. They always say during shows, please do not throw anything in the ring. People were throwing batteries, beer. Uh, Did somebody get smacked in the face with a beer can? I think or so. Or a cup or something? It was either Hall or Nash, I believe, got hit in the face with a beer cup. Like a full cup of beer like landed perfectly. Bischoff has even told stories when they were throwing garbage in the ring at them that Bischoff got hit with a, a chew, I think, in a cup. <laughs> and he said he was disgusted. Uh, but, dude, they hated the NWO for this, man. But eventually they went on to sell a lot of shirts, man. The New World Order of Wrestling, uh, pretty dope stuff when Hogan first announced it. I thought it was cool. And they really did a good job playing off of these guys were invading from WWF. I, let Without me ask mentioning this. it. Let's, let's, let's play a hindsight game real quick. If it was Sting, because that was who it was originally going to be, would this have worked with Sting? I don't see Sting playing a heel. Sting never worked as a heel to me. Not even Joker Sting. Well, he. Not, I don't consider that a heel ever when he was Joker Sting. The only yeah, time I they tried like to turn him was when Russo was there, and that sucked. Ass. But anyway, the NWO, this is a, a crazy moment for this. Um, the overall grade for this match, because it ends in the schmas kind of. Uh, the ref gets taken out during all of this because people are shitting their pants. Right. Nobody knows what to do. Randy Anderson's face was priceless when that happened. Too. Shout out to Randy Anderson. I love him, man. Randerson. <laughs> he he gets thrown out the ring. Um, I think you have to give this an A+, plus, right, for the execution. For the moment itself, man. This it, was the, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. It is. And you know what? Let me bring this up, too. A lot of people don't remember. It was either the first or second Nitro. They were out somewhere. Do you remember the grandmother who took a swing at Hogan because mm-hmm. he was in front of her? And it was like the most fragile granny that you could ever like love. Uh, someone cue Golden Girls theme for my man JPQ. <laughs> uh, but it reminds me of the old lady from, uh, what was it, Ready to Rumble? Yeah, like come on, Jimmy, whoop the shit out of him. <laughs> like she she threw her fist and she was serious. Like they people were hurt that Hogan my mother and father knew about this, even without me telling them. Like my mom really didn't watch wrestling all like that. She knew I watched it, but she was like, I heard Hulk Hogan's a bad guy now. And I'm like, who the hell is talking about this? <laughs> Everybody, your principal knew. I went to a school with Catholic nuns, they knew. They were like, Oh yeah, I heard about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Like, I just saw people popping up from everywhere who stopped watching wrestling. They were back because of this. What a moment, man. The NWO. I I got nothing, man. Overall, show grade for this. I'm struggling with this, Rob. Is Is it a great moment that took over this entire show that makes this a great show? I mean, it's one of the most memorable shows in the company history because of that moment. So, I'm. I think... That I'm going to, because of the moment and everything else, this would probably be a C show, but I'm going to probably bump it up to at least a B minus because of it. And this moment that's the A plus is worth it enough for you to go out of your way to see it. You know what? I think I'm going to agree with you. Fair game, man. This was the NWO. They did their thing here. And uh, yeah, this was good stuff, man. And they rolled that rocket ship too, man. It did. It definitely changed professional wrestling that we're still feeling the effects of it today. How things are shot, how things are done, reality-based, factions, group factions. Eric Bischoff took this idea from New Japan 
I mean, I'd still like to see more people get that Rey Mysterio lawn dart oh <laughs> right to the side of the trailer. Shout out to Keith Mitchell for uh, not messing up during that. <laughs> they called the police on the NWO, man. People just believed so much more back then. It was just good stuff. Ah, memories. Now well, you can, Now you can steal squad cars and come back to the arena. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a PG product, right? <laughs> I don't know. But let us finish this with the after effects because I think that interview is very important too with Mean Gene Okerlund, someone who stood behind Hulk Hogan this entire time. He gets into the ring, and I don't think words can do it justice. Uh, Rob, I think we should just play it. Excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. All right, Rob. Before we get out of here, man, I let everybody just listen to that last piece. Um, I put up everything up until where he says the NWO part. There's still more to that promo afterwards. Uh, people should definitely go back and check it out just for the moment and the history that it brings to pro wrestling. I just wanted to highlight the NWO forming and how it really changed the business and brought a lot of people back into wrestling. But before we get into that, Rob, I have to give props to my man Bobby the Brain Heenan. Did his call ruin it? Like, this has been debated between, like, wrestling nerds such as myself for years. Some people said it ruined the moment, perhaps, when he said, oh, Hulk Hogan turned heel. I don't think it did. What do you think? I think he did a perfect job of planting that seed of doubt. They'd be like, oh, will he, will he, won't he? And it made the anticipation in the arena, and even at home, it felt better. Hogan looks so nervous before he dropped that leg grab, too, when he, like, goes into the corner. He's like, basically, he threw away, like, yo, here we go. He flushed money down the toilet. Well, at the time, he was thinking, maybe I flushed money down the toilet because I'm not selling shirts anymore. This shit, the contract they had. Them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apollo 6 day playback, he was straight. <laughs> those damn clauses. <laughs> Listen to 83 Weeks if you want to learn about those damn contracts. They were crazy. But with that being said, Rob, what is the impact of the NWO on pro wrestling? Just your last thoughts on it. The NWO was transcending. You know, they got a lot of people back into the product. Like I said before, I wasn't, I was never really like a huge fan of the NWO. I was more of a WWF guy, but I respected what they did. It kept your attention. They helped enhance storylines until they got too uh, overpopulated. Do, now, did this get you more invested in the WCW product? Would you say? Uh, for a bit, yeah. Like I said, I was still more of like a DDP guy, so I like seeing him going get like seeing him go against the NWO. Um, who else do we have? Sting when he was so you so you cheered for the baby faces basically. Yeah, I was a mark. It must have must have hurt your heart every week. 
Eh, and, and time out. And just to that term, we're all marks for the record. Oh uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, some of the wrestlers are too. So don't think you're above it, brother. <laughs> all right. I can say, oh, you're 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 a mark if you chill for the baby faces. <laughs> I only watch Kenny Omega matches. <laughs> Knock Fuck it off, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but wrestling's wrestling, man. You got to enjoy it for what it is. I really thought this was a cool moment, a time where I could enjoy pro wrestling with. My brother, my friends, all of you guys, we can still go back and laugh at some of these moments. Um, it's really good stuff. And just to think, man, this is 23 years old. Stop it. Time has flown by. That thing's old enough to drink. Unbelievable, <laughs> man. Great moment in pro wrestling. I highly suggest everyone go back and check it out. Um, before we get ready to get out of here, do me a favor, guys. Make sure you subscribe to the Brain Buster Radio podcast so you guys never miss an episode. We have podcasts every single day of the week, and you will be getting some of the best podcasts in wrestling. And tomorrow, my friends, Wrestle Thoughts will be back once again. So make sure you check out Wrestle Thoughts. And if you have time, go to our Twitch, BBR TV. Uh, you can go to our at Brainbuster Radio on Twitter and check out the simulation we did for WWE Extreme Rules. Got to give Josh a lot of credit for putting that together. And shout out to everybody who was involved in that. Even if you were in the chat, thank you so much for supporting Brainbuster Radio. And Rob, this has been a really fun show with you on it. And uh, there's only one way to end this because this has been just too, too sweet. sweet.